We confess the mystery of wonder of God in his love. There is now faith, salvation through Jesus Christ, our Lord. With the Father and the Holy Spirit, the Son created all things, sustains all things, and makes all things Two natures in one person. He was born of the Virgin Mary and lived among us, crucified, dead, and buried. He rose on the third day, ascended to heaven, and will come again in glory and judgment. For us, he kept the law, atoned for sin, and satisfied God's wrath. He took our filthy rags and gave us his righteous robe. He is our prophet, priest, and king, building his church, interceding for us, and reigning over all things. Jesus Christ is Lord. We praise his holy name forever. Amen. Amen. You guys can have your seat. Um, welcome, our preacher today, um, Alan, Alan Jean, the one and only Give it up for him, everybody. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Uh, feel like PD when I say this, I hear a little echo. <laughs> Praise the Lord, amen? Amen. Amen, 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 amen. Um, I'm sure you guys have covered it. I know you guys mentioned Sister Angel, but also, I don't know if you guys mentioned it before I got up, but... Uh, Sharon also lost her grandmother um, this past weekend. Um, so keep her in prayer also, um, especially as the due date is due for the, uh, the duo to, come, to make their uh, appearance into this world. So continue to pray for Brian and Sharon um, and Sister Angel and, and, and uh, Brother Frank and also PD and Courtney as they travel. Um, well, they have traveled there in South Carolina, I believe, now. Um, I think they left on, on Thursday. So continue to keep them in prayer. So, um, how y'all guys doing this morning? Amen, amen. All right, so we're going to continue with James. We're not going to skip a beat at all. Um, and so, before, you know, we're going to actually open up your Bibles to James chapter 3, verse 13 to 18. James chapter 3, verse 13 to 18. Physical When you have it, please stand and say amen. amen. If you don't have it yet, tell me to hold up. <laughs> James chapter 3, verse 13 to 18. All right, we're going to read. It says, Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes from, down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where je jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. By your heads. We thank you, O God. We praise you, O God, because you're worthy. And Lord, we thank you for your word. 
We thank you, Lord, for this journey that we've been taking through the book of James um, that has led us up to this point today. Lord, as we continue to unpack what you had um, revealed and, and given to, to our brother James and to write down in the scriptures and that you call um, to be part of the, the part of the scriptures that we call to be infallible and teachable and correctable um, towards us, O oh God. We thank you for the word for this morning, O oh God. I ask, Lord, that you speak through me, that I decrease as you increase, O oh God. That every word that comes out of my mouth be not my own opinion or thought that is contrary to the word, but, Lord, that it be pure and holy and according to your scriptures, Lord. Let me not try to fill in blank where you've intentionally left blank, Lord. Let me preach your total, complete word to your people. I pray for the soils, O oh God, that those who are hearing, who are listening, Lord, that these seeds fall onto good ground, O oh God, and that someone may come to the word and you bring forth the growth. We thank you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 You may be seated. So we've been going through the book of James for quite some time now. I'm not even like, what, four months, three, four months or whatever. Um, and um, one thing if you don't realize, and I, I realized this about James a while ago when I started reading it, is that James is a very straight-to-the-point kind of guy. You know, he, you know, he lets Paul and all those other guys, you know, even Paul gets practical too. But Paul has a sense of, you know, of getting, you know, uh, the, the, the theology and, and you know, the, the terms and, and the, 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 the spiritual aspect. But James is like, all right, y'all got the spiritual aspect, now let's put this to work. And so we see this in, you know, from the beginning, he says, take joy in your troubles. You know, I know troubles are going to come, and I'm not going to, you know, uh, uh, tell you that, you know, they're not going to come. But guess what? When you come, they're gonna, there's going to be joy, and these are the reasons why. You know, he tells us, you know, uh, um, to not just be hearers, but to be doers of the word. He corrects us, and some of us who think that God tempts us to sin, says it's not God, it's your own desire. It's your sinful desire that, that causes you to do these things, and then it brings you unto death. You know, he tells us to not, you know, and I, I said this already, but not to just to be hearers, but to do as a word, because hearers don't mean anything. It's like looking into a mirror, seeing something wrong with you walking away and keeping yourself the same way. But the doer actually corrects what's the scene there. So he calls us to not just come on Sunday mornings to hear the word, but to actually apply the word and grow as, as believers. You know, and he, last week we talked about the tongue and James talks about it. He said, how can you at one point bless somebody and the next person curse your, friend, your brother out? And so how can you go in between the, one of the two? He says, can, can uh, uh, one, one uh, river or one spring bring out uh, fresh water and salt water at the same time? He says, you, you know, you, you, you really, you, you, you tee the tottering in this thing and, and God is not playing. So James is a straight to the point kind of guy. Straight to the point. And so he's instructing us on how to take all these things that we've learned and really put them to practice. Really uh, embody. He talks about faith and works. And he says, you know, so a lot of people are walking around claiming they have faith, but their works don't match it. And he, he's calling, he's calling us out, not calling just people out. He's not calling out Paul and Peter and 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 Josiah or whoever's around. But he's calling even us out that we call, we claim to have faith. He says, show me somebody who has faith, and I will, te- I will show them my works by my faith. And so he's saying that there has to be something that is a fruit of what you are learning. And so James is not holding any punches throughout this whole book at all. And so, you know, last week we talked about uh, um, that we have to watch what we say. And, and you know, uh, the title last week was, you know, the tongue, the, ma- the master key to life and how what we say really uh, uh, matters. You know, Proverbs says in 1821 says that death and life is in the power of the tongue. You know what I'm saying? So, so when, when, when PD mentioned the, the, the verse of, of where uh, I believe it was uh, Joshua uh, that was saying, you know, choose now, you know, life or death. 
We, we choose these things day in and day out with our tongue. The power of death and life, the death, death and life is in the power of the tongue. So it's not the power of death and life that's in the tongue, but the tongue itself has power of death and life. There's a difference. There's a difference. It's not the power of death and life, you know, and then the tongue is just kind of the, 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 the conduit for it. No, the power of the tongue, death and life is in it. So what we say and, and, and what we do, it really affects our lives. So a lot of the idle words, you know, Jesus says you, are, you will be held accountable for every idle word that you speak. <laughs> it makes me think of how many things I just said just to say. You know, and we just we just speak it and we just say things out loud. You know, I work with a lot of, you know, negative people. Let's be real. And I think a lot of people can can uh, can 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 attribute. And, you know, Dave works with me. So he knows what I'm what I'm talking about. And so you walk into the work and they be like, oh, it's going to be a bad day tonight. Oh, man, we don't have manpower. We're not going to be able to do these flights. We got all these quick turns. Well, I work in the airport. So these quick turns means when they come in, they go right back out. So it's a little bit of a hassle for us to work those flights. And so, you know, you come and I'm, I'm like, I made I made a, a point. When somebody says negative, like, we're going to have bad, nah, we're going to have a good night. I was working with someone yesterday, uh, yesterday morning, and I'm, we were working together tonight, and we, to yesterday he said, come in ready, because tomorrow night's going to be crazy. Tomorrow night's going to be bad. I'm like, no, it's going to be a good day. All right, yeah, that's why I got, like, these guys, they're going to come in, they're going for overtime. I said, you're telling me why it's going to be a better day, you know? So it, it's like, you're, you see the goodness, you see the positivity, but you choose to, to, to stick with, with negativity. And so what we speak is very important. What we say with our mouths is very important. Important. God created the world with words. Mm, you you, you know what I mean? and, and uh, you know, I, I guess it's kind of like a part two into the part to, to, into my sermon of, of, uh, of PDs. But but really, we have to watch what we say. What we say, we can break down somebody, and it could be something that cannot be fixed. No matter how many sorries, no matter how many, even if the person forgives you, that that those words stick. Whoever made that little poem, Sticks and Stones May Break My Bones, but Words May Never Harm Me, was a liar. <laughs> Believe me. There are 40, 50, 60-something-year-olds are still holding on to what their father and mother said at six, or some, what their father and mother didn't say when they were six, five, four, three years old. Sometimes you're around your kids, you think your kids can't understand, but when you say certain things, they hold on to those things. They may not be able to even be at an age where they can repeat those things, but their ears are open. And so we have to watch what we say. But James says this, he moves on to this part, this part of the chapter where it's not just what you say, but you have to have wisdom to even speak those things. And so James, in, in, in verse, starting at verse 13, starts talking about this wisdom. He says, who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. So James, again, is calling people out. Who is the one that says they're wise? Who is the one that says they have understanding? Paul said they did the same thing in 1 Corinthians 1. He called out, who is the one among you that says that you're wise? So James still in the same vein of the faith and works thing. It says, okay, you say you're wise. Let me see it. A lot of people claim that they're the smart guy, that they got all the answers. But then you look at their life and it's like, it doesn't match up. How am I going to take financial advice from you when you're on welfare? And not just not to get anybody on welfare. I'm not. Let me not. Let me not say that. But what I'm saying is, but you, you're, you're what you're saying is opposite. So you're telling me how to be a millionaire, but you're not a millionaire yourself. Go there, bring back a souvenir, and then I'll believe you. You, you, get, you get what I'm saying? How can you talk about you know uh, uh, living righteous and, and living holy? And we're all human. We all have flaws. But there are people that are intentionally living another life. So how can you tell me how to live one way when you're not a fruit of it? 
And so, so he's calling out who is wise and understanding among you by his good conduct. Let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. I don't want to hear that you're wise. I want to see that you're wise. He says, by his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. See, see, and he starts, this is beginning, when he says meekness of wisdom, he's starting to, to shift into understanding why he mentions meekness. Because there's a lot of people who are wise, mostly because they, we know them as wise because they tell us they're wise. And what he's saying is being wise means that you're meek. People don't need to know that you're wise. Yeah, they'll see it. You know, and so, and so he, he, he calls out, you know, he says, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. Verse 14, for those who just came in, we're reading out of James 3, um, uh, started from 13 and now I'm in 14. It says, but if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. How can you say that you're wise and you have wisdom from above when you have jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart? Don't brag about it because you're lying. This is what James is saying. I told you, James is a straight to the point guy. Stop bragging about something you don't have. And I know you don't have it because of these things that you're showing through. You can't have fresh water and salt water come out of the same place. You're telling me you got fresh water. That's what you're saying with your words. But your actions are showing otherwise. So he says, but if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition, why are these important? Because not only selfish ambition meaning I want to get to the top. I want to be the best of the best. And there is a positive side to it, but then there's always a negative side to it because there's some people that are ruthless in that journey. There are some people that don't care how many dead bodies they have to pass on the way to, the, to get what they want to get. There, listen, corporate America is full of them. There are some people that will get all buddy-buddy with you, get all cool with you, just for the sake of trampling you later, later on. It, don't, it doesn't even have to be corporate America. Social America. There are some people that they don't care how much they hurt you, how much you get, you get, you get hurt in the process, how much your friendship gets hurt in the process. Because guess what? Their, that friendship wasn't meant to be a friendship from the first place. It was just a passageway for them to do what they needed to do. And so he's saying, how can you say that you have wisdom from God? And we're going to talk about the two different wisdoms. But wisdom from God, when you have selfish ambition, that doesn't match up with God. And then not only that, not only do you want to be the best of your best, but you are envious of the person who's next to you. Do you know how dangerous that person is? That they will do anything that they, they have to do to get what you have. So not only will they just leave you dead, uh, you know, uh, uh, um, dead, dead by yourself, but they will take from you what you have. How can you say and claim to be wise and these are your actions? So he says, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes from above, but it's earthly unspiritual, demonic. This is key here. This is where James begins to separate. There is a wisdom from above and there's a wisdom from this world. And that wisdom that you're claiming to have and you have selfish ambition and you're jealous is not the wisdom from above because it doesn't match the one that you claim to be with. So he says, he says, it is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. What's, what's important about these three words is that we have three enemies, if you don't know. Three enemies, the world, the flesh, and the, and the, and the, and the devil. And so in these three adjectives, he already attacks it. This is an enemy to God. Listen to this. It is earthly, meaning that it's worldly. It's based off the world system. You, you with me? So, so it, there's, there's decisions that we make that's based off of the world system that are a lot of times contrary to God's system. Let's, let's, let's think about it. David, 
It, was, it would think to be wise, based on the world system, for David to put on Saul's armor to fight Goliath. But it was, it was contrary to God's wisdom to go out there with some stones and kill that giant. It was wise for Abraham when his land was in famine to go to Egypt to get food. But it was wise, according to God's standards, to go to Canaan where God called him to go. Are are y'all with me? It was wise of the disciples to say, let the 5,000 go home and get food and come back. But it was wise, according to God's standards, to let them stay there and see the miracle of the two fish and the five loaves. You, are, you, are you suing me? So the wisdom, there's, there's, there's natural wisdom that doesn't add up with the supernatural wisdom. And so that's why a lot of times the people with the natural wisdom, the people of the wisdom of this world, will look at you like you're crazy when you're going according to the wisdom of God. Right. Amen. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians 1. First Corinthians one, starting from verse 18. So Paul is writing to the church at Corinth. He says, for the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. So he's saying that this, the word of the cross, this preaching of the cross of Christ is, is crazy. It's foolishness to those who don't understand it, to those who are not in Christ. And so he, he's making the contrast between the wisdom of this world and the wisdom of, of God. So in verse 19, it says, for it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning. I will thwart. So God is saying those who think that they're wise, they have something coming for them. And I will make them realize that they are truly fools. So verse 20 says, where is the one? See, this is the call I mentioned earlier. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? See, because this, 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 this person who they thought was supposed to be the king, even because he's even talking to the Jews, because the person who they thought was supposed to be this great king, this, this, uh, um, as far as naturally speaking, uh, to have this, this, this authority that's on this earth that they thought was going to be this Messiah to come, he killed that wisdom that they thought they had. So when they had when they had uh, uh, um, denied the Christ when he was living, they thought they were being wise. They thought that they knew what they were talking about, but God made them fools. Even the concept that when somebody dies, they stay dead, he kills their wisdom. I <laughs> with me. It's crazy even now to, to talk about. It. But guess what? According to God's wisdom, he wants to raise you up, he's gonna raise you up. So he says, for, for since, it's verse 21, for since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it, is pleased, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. So even through the foolishness that the world looks at us as preaching, that's how they get saved. So your wisdom means nothing in, in regards to your salvation. It's your faith. And your faith sometimes looks like foolishness to the world. So through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. Verse 22, for Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom. Because we got to remember the time that, that Paul and, and James are saying that this is when Greek philosophy was at, at its peak. You know, you got your Socrates, you got, uh, throw out some names here. Plato, you got, you got all these people who are coming around and, you know, people are gathering to hear them. And they're saying these deep, but sometimes when you read the quotes, you're like, oh, that wasn't that deep. But I guess it was a nice way of putting it. But, you know, so everybody's looking for this, this, this wise and this wow moment. And Paul, when he's writing this part, he said, I'm not coming to you with the wow factor. I'm coming to you with the truth. And whether you think that's deep or not, it's the truth. 
So I'm not coming to you like Socrates and Plato. And he believe me, uh, Paul, could, Paul could mess with the best of them. But listen, I choose not to, not, to, not to go along the ways that this society is telling me is wisdom, but what I know to be wisdom. Verse, verse 23 says, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. So it's a stumbling block to Jews because they can't understand how this, this coming king, this coming uh, ruler is one that died as a criminal. I don't, I don't, I don't, it doesn't, under, it doesn't match up with my wisdom. It doesn't match up with, with, with my thinking. And so they disregard it. But God is saying, I did that in order to baffle this whole, this whole idol of wisdom that you have before you. I did that to rock your world. I'm not doing it according to your standards. I'm doing it according to mine. And if you could have figured it out, then it wasn't me. I don't want to do things in a way, that, and even now in, in our lives, God does and sets things up in a way that we could never have figured it out. Wow, yes. But it's in order to remind us that he's God. Yes, yes, yes. I don't want to go too deep because I, I don't know if there's fellow math geeks like me, but, but there's, a, there's, a, there's a, a, a part in Mark where, you know, because, you know, there was two instances where they fed the multitude. There was feeding the 5,000, feeding the 4,000. There was different numbers of, of the uh, bread. But in the case of they had, I believe it was... They had more food. They had less food with the five thousand and more food with the four thousand. So they're on the boat, and now they send their disciples. After all these two things have happened, they're complaining they have no bread, and they're trying to split up the last bread between themselves. So Jesus says, "You know, how much was left over when we had the the five thousand? Said twelve baskets full. Okay, how much was left over when we had the seven and we fed them with, with such and such with uh, uh, seven baskets full? And I remember I did the math, and I was like, they had more left over." when they had less to give more people, and they had less left over when they had more to give less people. And it was just a way where it was like, it just didn't make sense. And, and, and that's, the way, that's the way he ended the conversation. So I'm sitting there like, why would he just ask that and just end the conversation? What he's trying to get the disciples says say is, I do not obey the law of physics. So where you thought that what would naturally happen if you had more people and more food that you had le- you have more leftovers uh, than than you had in the situation and I, I I'm sorry if you guys get lost because it, it would I had to go back to this scripture but what it was was no matter what it is the point of the factor is the leftovers didn't make sense when you counted the number of food and the number of people so what God is saying listen I don't obey to the law of mathematics I don't obey to the law of physics listen I you can't you can't figure me out so the same way I bless and you. It just doesn't make sense. Guess what? If you're in need of bread right now, I got you. Right. Amen. As a matter of fact, I'm not going to give you bread. I am the bread, yeah. the bread of life. That's yeah. it. Amen. So, so he's trying to let us know, stop trying to figure me out with this wisdom of this world. You won't. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. Listen to this. Listen to what Paul says, because this is very important. God doesn't just give us the wisdom of God. Christ doesn't just give us the wisdom of God. He is the wisdom of God. So if you don't have Christ, you don't have his wisdom. And you will never get the things of Christ. That's why they say that the carnal will never understand the spiritual. Because without Christ, without the, who is the wisdom of God, according to the scriptures, who is the wisdom of God, you won't get it. So they won't understand why your head is still head high when things at home are not where it's supposed to be. They won't understand how you can still praise God in the midst of, 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 of financial issues, in the midst of family issues, because you, can, you know the wisdom of God that, he, that he, he, everything works out together for the good of those who love him. That's not the world's wisdom. 
The world's wisdom is it was financial. Go look for a second and a third job. And I'm not saying that that's not the answer to God. Sometimes he does call you to do that. But when we run to that and try to answer with our own wisdom, that's not always the case. Sometimes God has us in a situation because he's trying to teach us something. So I need you to stay with that one job because I want you to stay with that one job and realize how much more bills can get paid more than if you went for that second and third job. And then you sit there baffled and remember that I am God. Verse 25, it says, for the foolishness of God is wiser than men. This is, when I remember when I first read this, I said, God, you are a G. He just, he ripped them. He said, for, for my foolishness is wiser than your wisdom. That means on my bad day, I'm better than all of your best days. He says, the weakness of God is stronger than men. On my weak day, I'm still stronger than you. It makes sense. He is the creator of this world. He is the creator of every system we try to implement and try to act like we created it. He already knows how it works. We're still trying to figure things out about this world that God already knew from the get-go. Do you know that in, in, I believe it's in Job or Jeremiah, around, and this is, remember, this is written in B.C. We didn't find out, we didn't believe as a, as a whole about the world being around uh, uh, um, uh, until like, what, the 1500s, 1600s, and people were getting killed because they were saying this stuff, right? In, in Job, it says, the Lord sits around the circle of the earth. And another passage, I believe it's that one's in Jeremiah, says, the world sits on nothing. This is around the time when Greek philosophers thought that the world sat on the back of Atlas. If you ever seen the statue, that's what they believed. Another uh, a belief believed that the world uh, was on top of a turtle. Another one believed, and they, they all believed that the world was sitting on something. So years, hundreds and hundreds of years before man finally decided as a whole that the world is round and the world is, is, is just in space, just floating around, in the scriptures is there. So God was like, yo, y'all just got this? This is, y'all, I've been past this. It's like you just getting the iPhone 3 now. Yeah. Like, where you been? <laughs> Touch screen, bro? Like, come on. Where's Siri at? Like, so it, it, God is a hundred of millions and billions steps ahead of us. But the thing is, you know what's amazing? I'll stop right here. I'll, I'll cut it right here. Is that we have access to this wisdom. It's not like he just says, you know, I'm wise and just shows off and just sits back. But you have access to this wisdom. That's why you're able to discern certain things that people don't get how you already knew not to go down that route. But because God had already imparted that wisdom into you, you are staying away from danger. We have to use this wisdom. We have access to this wisdom. You have Christ. You have the wisdom of God. 26, for consider your calling, brothers, not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful, not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. I remember again, David and Goliath. He chose, he skipped all those people that were trained for, for battle. All those people, the great king, and sent this little shepherd boy to go kill this Goliath that everybody was scared of. God does that because he wants the glory set to him. Elijah is sitting before the 450 prophets of Baal, and he drenches his altar in water. Mind you, the point of this contest between him and the prophets was, so, was supposed to that the bull was supposed to catch fire. He drenches the, 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 the altar three times with water to the point that the bull is full of water, the altar is full of water, and the trenches around it is full of water. And he prays, and fire comes down. 
God chooses this thing that doesn't make sense in order for us to be pointed to him. Because at the end of that story in Elijah, in 1 Kings 18, at the end of that story, the people shouted out, the Lord, he is God. God does this on purpose. It says, but God, verse 27, but God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are. So those people who think that you're nothing, as long as God puts value on you, which is true, you're good. You're good. So that no human being might boast in the presence of God. There's no boasting in us. Paul says, if I boast, then I boast in the Lord. Because I'm nothing without him. 30 says, and because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God. Again, um, naming Christ as wisdom, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Let's go back to James. So this wisdom of this world is always going to be contrary to the wisdom from above. And so it says in verse, we left off in verse 15, it says, this is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but it's earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. Because the, the, this wisdom from, from this earth is going to lead you, it, it, it leads you to these things that are not of God. It's based off the world system, and it, it, when it says unspiritual, it means flesh-like, it's, it's, it's sensual, other, other translations say. So being in your flesh is based off of how you feel. A lot of wisdom is based off of your emotions, based off of, uh, of you trying to, trying to uh, um, um, defend yourself or to preserve yourself. A lot of those wisdom, you know, when, when somebody does you wrong, then shut them out. Don't forgive them. Stay away from them. But God calls us to forgive those people. Yeah. Are, are you with me? Yeah. God calls us to love our enemies. But, but the world's wisdom will tell you if they hate you, stay away from them. If they hate you, hate them back in order to preserve your heart. If, if they hurt you, then hurt them back. That's the world's wisdom. God's wisdom says otherwise. And demonic. Why is the wisdom of, of, this, of this earth demonic? Because it's all based off this one thing. The very first uh, fall of man was that uh, the, the serpent told Eve, as you eat of this fruit, you will be like God. The wisdom of this world puts us in a position where we are building ourselves to be our own gods. Where we direct our own lives where we make the choices in our lives, where we don't have someone we're submitting to, we're submitting to ourselves. The wisdom of this world, again, selfish ambition is all about me. So this wisdom in this world is demonic because you're setting yourself up to be against God. You're setting up yourself because if, if you're like the most high, then he's no longer the most high. Are, are y'all with me? So the wisdom of this world is demonic because of that. It's based off of trying to make yourself your own God. Verse 16, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. Where those things come and where those things exist, it is open to anything to happen. People murder because of selfish ambition and jealousy. People hurt people because of self-ambition and jealousy. 
People lie on, on people because of selfish ambition. We could go through the list. All these sins are based off of selfish ambition and jealousy. Because when you're not content of where you are and you're looking to just lift yourself up, you will do anything and everything to do it. Even the eating of the fruit was selfish ambition and jealousy. I want to be like God because I want what he has. I want the authority he has. And what trips me up, I was reading this book and it opened my eyes to this, is that God gave Adam and Eve dominion over everything. Everything. The only thing they didn't have dominion over was himself. And they were not content. But yet it still shows our heart even today. God can give us everything we need. We say, yo, if God could just give me this money, if God could just give me this house, this car, my family, we'd be good. Then you know what? I'm going to be straight. No. We still going to want more. I remember 1 Corinthians 10 when we were preaching, about, uh, preaching out of 1 Corinthians a couple years ago. And 1 Corinthians 10 says, you know, he's saying to Paul, is talking about the, Paul, you know, the, the, the Israelites, when they were coming from Egypt, they had the fire uh, um, by, by night and the cloud by day. They, they, they heard the voice of God. So, you know, a lot of people say, well, you know, if I can see God, if I can hear God, then maybe I could believe in him. They had all of that. And they still questioned him. They still doubted him. They still murmured. That's the key word in, 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 in uh, those times, was that they murmured against God. They still had it. They had everything we say in that. If we had it, then we had faith in God. They had everything. They still, why? Because their hearts were sinful. Until we change our hearts, we will never see the belief of God. We will never be able to believe in God. We will never be able to trust in God. But our hearts are always yearning for more. But when we find out that that more is found in Christ, Jesus. When we find out that that satisfaction for that craving is in God himself, if they understood that in the garden, if we could understand that today, that when we are seeking more, that that more is found in him. He says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness, and everything else will be added unto you. That more that we are seeking is in Christ. That more that we are seeking is in Christ. Sorry, I just got a pleasant surprise. <laughs> um, and, so, and so we have to understand that this selfish ambition and this jealousy is what is going to lead to all types of things, all types of dangers, all types of sins. And so he says wisdom built on this is not wisdom from above. So don't tell me you're wise. Because he started, remember, in James 1 verse 5, he says, he says, any of you lacks wisdom, ask God and he will give you. But if this is the wisdom that you say you just prayed to God for, you're lying. If it's God, you walking around with your head held high, thinking that you're the man, and you're trying to say, you know, thou sayest that, and trying to tell people, you know, how to live their lives as if you are the, the guru of it all. With this pride, and with this self-ambition, with this, 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 these things in your heart, that's not the wisdom of God. You may sound like you make sense, but according to God, you don't. But then he goes and talks about the wisdom from above. He says in verse 17, but the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. So the wisdom from above is first pure because it comes from God and God is pure. Amen? Amen. And then it's peaceable. The wisdom of God seeks peace. <laughs> Even to the depth of when he sought for peace between us and him, the wisdom of God, which is Christ, we just said here, was the, the, the conduit for that peace to come. 
that he would give his own life to bring peace. Jesus, do you see the extent of this peaceableness? Or I don't know if that's a word, but I made it up now. But this peaceableness of, of the wisdom of God is that even to the point of laying down my life so that peace can be a, a, attained, I will do it. Because yes, yes, Romans 5 says we were once enemies with God. It wasn't like we just kind of had a little bit of a beef, a little, you know, we, we cool on every other point, but there's one point we had problems. No, we were enemies of God. But Christ's sacrifice on the cross, he took on our, 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 our debts. That sin in the garden we talked about, he took on our sin so that we can have peace with God. So before we can have, you heard PD say many times, before we can have the peace of God, we have to have peace with God. And that is found in Christ, who is the wisdom of God. So it's pure, peaceable, gentle. Some people, you know, they have the truth, but the way they deliver it to you is not gentle. It's not loving. And it's, that's just how I am. I just tell the truth. No, there's no love in your heart. It's not to say that just because of truth. Now, if it comes to a point that truth, that no matter what, is going to hurt at some point. But there's even some point where, you know, even if the truth hurts, you're, you're, you still have love. And you're able to know, hey, this is what it is. But guess what? I'm here with you. But when you have, oh, yeah, yeah, this is the year, calling people out and putting people on blast just to leave them there, that's not the wisdom of God. And, and, to, be, and to be honest, and it's sad to say, there's some people that have built their ministries on that out of calling other people out. Not pulling them to the side and using their, their access to them and say, hey, listen, you know, I had kind of an issue with this and you know, I, I want you to kind of see it this way according to the scripture. No, they put out DVDs, they do seminars, they do conferences, put, just putting people on blast. And it's sad to say, but it's true. But James is right, and he will look at that person and say, this is not the wisdom of God. So it's peaceable, it's pure, and it's gentle, and it's open to reason. There's a, there's a saying, I don't, I don't want to claim that it's Bible. I don't, I'm, I'm not sure if it's Bible, but I've heard it saying that a man is wisest when he knows that he knows not. So you know, there's some people that you can't tell them nothing. Oh, I already know. I got this. Oh, yeah, 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 I know about that already. No, no, you don't. And then you look at them do it and you're like, you, you sure you know about it? Like, you sure you want me to tell you about it now? Like, you sure want me to show you? No, no. Oh, okay, cool. But even a wise person, even if you know what the person's talking, let them talk. Because guess what? You may learn something new. There's some people that's going to come and you think, you think that, oh, yeah, I got it. But then when you listen, at, if you had to actually listen to the person, you may have realized something new. You may have seen another perspective. And so a wise person, a truly wise person with wisdom from above is still open to reason, still open to dialogue about the subject that they even that they are called the subject expert. You know, and, and while I have now two of my coworkers, I can make a work reference. You know, there's some people that say, yeah, I worked the ramp, you know, 20 years. But guess what? The, the systems that we're using now that we just implemented last year, you didn't use 20 years ago. So sit down so I can show you. You know what I'm saying? And it's true. People just get, you know, you know, I, you know I, I went to school for this. I got a degree in this. But guess what? When you got the degree in the school, this wasn't even invented. So, so a wise person sits down and even learns from some people who would think, you would think they have nothing to offer. But guess what? Everyone has something to offer. Sometimes, a lot of times, the student teaches the teacher. So he's peaceable, he's pure, peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy. Full of mercy. There's some people, when you get it wrong, they just look at you like you're, like you're dumb. 
and they have this 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 feeling towards you like that you should have known, and they look down on you rather than no. Let me pick you up and let me show you the way. That's what the wisdom of God shows. It is, is that I'm not going to get on you because you got it wrong, but because you got it wrong as as your brother, I'm going to lift you up and to show you the right way. So he's full of mercy. The wise one who is wise with the wisdom of God. And of good fruits. Again, he's talking about, listen, you could talk about being wise, but I need to see your fruit. You could talk about that being an apple tree, but until I see apples instead of oranges, it's still an orange tree. Your fruits show what it is. And it goes back to what James was talking about earlier with the faith and works. Is that you tell me you have faith, let me see your works. You tell me that you love Christ, then let me see you love people. When you pass a person in need and you look at them in contempt, that's the love of Christ. Mm, come on. The other day I was driving. It was so sad. I was driving. There was a gentleman on the side. And I, I, I felt bad already because I didn't have anything to give him. And he, he, was, you know, he, he was asking for, for money. And so he goes to the next car. And I look in the rear view. And I promise you, this man, and he has his girlfriend or his wife in the car, starts going off. I'm talking about, you know when you can look at somebody and they're going, I'm looking in the rear view. And I'm like, Going to the point where at point, some points in my car ahead of him, I can hear him through my closed windows. And it's like, so let's say that person professed that they were Christian. That's how you treat the least of these? Because remember what Christ said about the least of these. He said, the, the way that you, that you love the least of these, so, so that you love me. So when you say you love God, when you say that you are a Christian, when you say you are a believer, there should be some fruit to that. It doesn't mean you're going to be perfect all the time. Some, the best apple tree brings out sour apples sometimes. But guess what? For the most part, you are bringing out fruits that are matching up with your words. So full of mercy and good fruits. Impartial. We talked about this uh, Cleveland preached on this part, portion of James. Well, we're impartial. So meaning that just because the person that comes in here in the three-piece suit, we're not, just get, we're not treating them any higher than we would treat somebody who came in some with jeans and a t-shirt. Like Marcella. <laughs> so so it's, it's, it's an imp- that person who is, who, is, who is wise with the wisdom of God is impartial and knows that the same love that I give one, I give to the other, no matter what status they're in, no matter how they look. Because it talks about in James, for those who weren't here, where it says, you know, where we seat the person. And we do this, to be honest, I mean, we do this in all, in all facets, but we're in church. So we do this in church sometimes. Where, where, well, not this church, but in, in general, where, you know, the person who comes in and their bishop and, and reverend so-and-so will offer them water or whatever. And the person will come in and they can look thirsty. And because they, we don't know them, we don't know where they came from, and they sit in the back, we don't remind them. But the wisdom of God is the same way I offered for, for what that person needed is the same way I'm going to offer the person in the back what they needed. We have to have that same love. So impartial, that's a characteristic of the wisdom from above, and sincere. So when you talk, what you say, you mean what you say. You're not lying, you're not trying to just show face, but you mean what you say, you are sincere. And so sincerity also ties in with the different fruits of, 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 of a believer, is that in love, that you truly love people with sincerity. You're not loving people just to love people, you're loving people because you're, you truly love people. So when they fall, you hurt. When they rise, you cheer them on. But again, selfish ambition and jealousy won't let you cheer them on when they get good. When that person gets that success, when that person succeeds or they get the, gets that promotion and job, cheer them on. 
Give them praise. Yo, good job. I'm happy for you. And be sincere about it. And guess what? If you don't find yourself in that place, then guess what? You need to pray. If you find yourself jealous, if you find, oh, that should have been me, then you need to pray. You need to bring yourself back. God, I need you to fix my heart. Because I need to be at a place where I can celebrate my brother. I need to be at a place where I can celebrate my sister. Because guess what? Not even just because, but also, guess what? One day that will be me. And when I turn around and the friends that are supposed to be with me are not cheering me on and not clapping and giving me applause, I know I will feel some type of way. But Lord, I want to not just be just for that fact. I want to truly be in a place where I can really celebrate my brother. When he calls me and says, yo, I got to raise double my money and I'm still sitting here and bills sitting on my table, I can still praise God for you. When you come up and you testify how, you know, uh, uh, you, you know your, your father uh, uh, came back to life after he was, he was supposed to die and your, your father died of the same sickness, guess what? I can still praise God for your situation. And it's not easy. It's easier said than done. But guess what? God has given us everything to live a godly life. So impartial and sincere. And it says in 18, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So you harvest holiness. You harvest righteousness. You harvest a position that is right in God. When you're righteous, it means you're right before God. So the harvest is righteousness, being right before God. When you sow these things in peace, when you seek to make peace, Christ calls blessed are the peacemakers. When you have the wisdom of God, you seek to make peace, not just keep peace, but to make peace. So there's a difference between the wisdom from above, and I would say, I guess, the wisdom from beneath. So the wisdom from above is not fueled by selfish ambition. It's not fueled by jealousy. It's not, it's not even garnered by pride or shown by pride or shown by this, this haughty spirit. No, but the wisdom of God comes with meekness. He says that from, the first, from, from verse 13, that show me his, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. So meaning even in times where I probably could, you know, Tap myself, you know, tap myself on the shoulder a little bit. I won't, because I know it's not of me, and and it's not even better. It's not even good for in, in in light of you, because now if I think that I'm the man, then you're gonna think less of yourself. But in my meekness, I show true wisdom. And sometimes not reacting the way that I think I should react, and some people think that I have the right to react. I show meekness and wisdom. So when that person does you wrong and you have the right to say something in a certain way, according to the world standards, in your meekness, you choose not. That's why I love this saying. And it's, I, know, I don't know if it's said anywhere else, but I've heard it in a lot of Christian rap songs. But you think being meek is weak, then try being meek for a week. That shows true strength. People think like when you don't say something, when somebody does you wrong, you're weak. No, because what I would want to say, y'all don't understand what I'm holding in. That's strength. Weakness is not being not having any type of safeguards at all, and I just let it all let it all out. That's weakness. But true strength is I know what I would want to do right now. I know what I would want to say in the choice words I would use to say them. But because I am strong enough to hold my own impulses and to use the wisdom of God, that's meekness. Meekness is not the same thing as weakness. There's more strength in meekness. Because you don't, you don't just go by your, your instincts. Animals do that. But we've been built with a mind that is able to be sound, able to make decisions. We don't go by instincts. 
We are able to reason. Remember, wisdom of God is open to reason, able to reason. Okay, I could react in this certain way. I have, and even if I do, nobody would tell me I'm wrong. But guess what? Is it godly? Is it really glorifying God? If I go off and everybody say, yo, you right, yo, that person came at you sideways. You should have done that. But, but no, is it godly? Can I leave there and they really not conflict with the fact that I'm a I'm, I'm believer? Is, is my only excuse, oh, I'm human? No, but you had enough time to think that through. You have enough capabilities through the wisdom that's given from God. And I, we have weaknesses. Sometimes we have flaws. Sometimes we do mess up. And we do go after impulse in our emotions. I say it all the time, but our emotions are here to inform us. Not to direct us. So when we allow rage and anger and, and even grief to direct our past, when we choose when something happens, when it's angry to react in anger, that's not, that's not godly. I gave that to you in order for you to know that there's something that's wrong. That's okay. That's why I gave you. Emotions are from God, but allowing them to direct, that's not the way of God. I use the example, and then I'm going to do this and, and I'm be done. But, but emotions are like the interns of the company. You know, you do the low-level job, you tell me my numbers are wrong, but I got people I pay six figures a year that's going to fix it. I'm not going to go turn to the intern and say, nah, I need you to fix it. No, I got accountants that's in, in the place that needs to fix it. So thank you for informing me. I'm going to get this paperwork, give it to the people that, that are trained well to do it, and they're going to fix my, my resolve. So that's the, the emotions in, our, in, in ourselves are our interns. Stop giving them the right to be able to fix, try to fix issues that they're not trained to fix. Thank you for informing me that this is a situation I should be angry about. Now, let me go to God and let me go to my wisdom. Let me go to my, 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 my long suffering, see if there's any more left there. Let me go to my gentleness to see if there's, there's any, anything I can pull out in order to deal with this issue. I'm not going to let you. Thank you, anger. But I'm not going to let you deal with this because you are going to leave me in a position where people now start to wonder, is he really a believer? Wasn't he just preaching last week? <laughs> my brother in the back of me died. <laughs> it's true, though. You know, if my grief, you know, and and this is, I can I can definitely speak from this from personal. So I'm not I'm not trying to bash anybody in this position. But when we do lose somebody that we love, but when they are believing, we are believing. Our grief should not leave us in a place of desperation because we know where they went. We know that they are in eternity with God. So our grief, yes, we are we are called to mourn. God calls us to mourn when we need to mourn. There's time to mourn. But when we when we have grief as if they are lost forever. Then what happened to the truth of God that told us that we, when we leave here, to be absent from this world is to be present with the Lord? And that you have that same assurance if you're a believer, and so there's one day I will see her again, speaking of my grandmother. So I was able to do and operate after the news and after, after it all happened because of that, that truth was really what gave me peace throughout the whole situation. But if I had let my emotions run it, I'd probably still be in a depressed state. I probably would not be able to come here this morning because I allowed my grief, I allowed my sadness to direct me. But I took the sadness where it came because it wasn't an issue that caused me to be sad, but then I put it against the truth of God, against the word of God, filtered it through it, and then now I realize a way to react is to re realize that my assurance is that I will one day see my grandmother again. So that's how I operate. So remember, there's two wisdoms. And we need to really evaluate ourselves when we are in the middle of a fork in the road. How am I making this decision? Am I making a decision based off of the wisdom of this world? Because of how it makes me feel? Because of how the world tells me I should operate? 
or because of uh, because it causes me to be the, my own boss? Or am I making a decision based off of the wisdom of God, according to what he has called me to do, according to what he has already prepared for me? Lot, who was um, Abraham's nephew, made a decision based off of his own wisdom. His, his, him and his servant, I'll, I'll do this and then I'll end. I know the preachers, they have like three endings. This is, like, is going to be my final ending. But Abraham and Lot, Lot was Abraham's nephew. And so Lot's servants and Abraham's servants was constantly fighting. So Abraham and Lot was like, listen, we're just going to have to separate. So Abraham, being the older one, said, hey, listen, you go left or right, you choose. Wherever you go, we're going to go the opposite way. So Lot looked to the left, and it was barren. It was dry all over there. And he looked to the right, and it was, like, fruitful. There was bushes and everything, and it looked like everything was good. So he said, you know what? I'm going to go that way. But where did that end, up, end him up? And so Sodom and Gomorrah. You see, so things may look good. Proverbs 14, verse 12 says, there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it's destruction. So we have to understand we can't operate on our own wisdom because we'll end up in destruction. But when we operate according to the wisdom of God who knows everything because he created everything. When we operate, and I love that now we can replace the wisdom of God. When we operate in Christ, there are many blessings that are coming for that. And you will see the fruit of it. You will see not only in your life, but the people that are around you. So I said, you guys, bow your heads real quick. We thank you, O oh God. We thank you, O oh God, that you are a wise God. That has a wisdom that is like no other. A wisdom that surpasses the best wisdom of this earth. I thank you, Lord, that you even go to the extent and that your foolishness trumps our wisdom according to this world. We thank you, Lord, for this great wisdom, and we thank you even more that we have access to this wisdom. And, Lord, that you love us enough to direct our paths, that you love us enough to give us the scoop on this road that we are thinking on going on, that you will keep us from danger with, the, with your wisdom. I thank you, O oh God, that you have shown us the difference between the wisdom of this world and the wisdom from above. And Lord, let us be more aware and more vigilant to make sure that we are operating from the wisdom from above. I thank you, Lord, that in that same breath that James had already told us that if any of us lacks wisdom, that you, we can ask of you and you will freely give it to us. Your wisdom is not something that you hold back like some of us do that we just hold it back in order for our value to stay up and for people to always know that they could come to us, Lord. But, Lord, you give your wisdom, and you are always still a replenishing source of that wisdom. Lord, let us not get prideful. Lord, if there is any selfish ambition or jealousy that is in us, Lord, show us and teach us how we can take that away. Lord, we want to be pure. We want to be peaceable. We want to be gentle. We want to be open to reason. We want to be full of mercy and good fruits. God, we want to be impartial. And Lord, we want to harvest righteousness. Because we know with righteousness, we are in right position in you. So teach us, Lord, how to attain this wisdom. 
and teach us, Lord, how to use this wisdom, to operate in this wisdom in a way that glorifies you. Let's not boast in this wisdom as if it's ours. But if we boast, let us boast in the Lord. I thank you, O God, the only true and wise God. We lift you up and we pray all these things in the name of the one who is called your wisdom, in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.